Welcome to the After the Battle Campfire, presented by the Modern Ronin. I'm your host, Tommy Chase, and I'll be your guide through the stories that are about to be told. On today's episode, I have Jules back, and we finish our conversation from a couple weeks ago where we left off in 2020. And he talks about how life changed for him, having kids home and adjusting to a new work schedule, all done virtually. So, hope you enjoy. I don't know why I find that so creepy when it does that. <laughs> this feel, meeting being recorded. I feel like the CIA or something. So we're back for round two with Jules. Um, we got cut off last time, but we're back. Jules has like this two-faced look to him right now, really dark on one side, really bright on the other. So a real quick recap. So Jules and I met in 2018 at the Navy team trials for the Warrior Games, which is a Paralympic style uh, athletic competition for those who fall under the wounded warrior category of each respective branches of service. So Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard falls under us, SOCOM. So all of their sick, ill, injured and wounded. We had talked about in the last episode, Jules' whole journey to basically 2020. And we left it basically at, we were at the, at LAX the last week of January. And yeah. COVID zero, having dinner at the, at the international terminal. Yep. So that, that was like the 14th, I think of January. And then we flew out the 20, I think we got there like the 20th and left the 28th, something like that. Yeah, Something like that. It was, uh, you know, we're at two, you know, two old chiefs should have known better, but you know, have, really, <laughs> uh, since when do we pass up adventure? Uh, why bother? Why, why pass it up? It's always, you know, unlike the, uh, unlike the army that wants to just go hide all day long. <laughs> you know, I, I have to laugh at that. Cause so like Brendan is doing ROTC, um, for, for the army. And his unit is the only one at his college that's still doing active events. Everybody else is doing virtual. Really? Yeah. So the, the Navy and Air Force at his, uh, at his, for his college have both gone virtual. And so the Army's only the only ones doing their stuff. Damn. That's both sad and exciting at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So he gets to play. Oh, my God. This is going to be an issue today. My video thing's cutting in and out, but we'll make it work. So, overcome. yeah. So here, like I was saying the last time, so we're, we get back to our respective homes, uh, our 60 or not that many. I think we only had like what, 35 people at our camp. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't that many. I think there was only three or four of us that were from, if even that from yeah. our time. And then, um, about half the people there were from last year's, which you and I both skipped out on. Yep. And then the bunch of new people who were really looking forward to doing this, which is the sad yeah. part. <clears throat> then yeah. we start getting some shit happening on the news and stuff yeah. in February and, and early March. And I specifically remember that uh, March 13th was the day that Texas went into what they called a stay at home order yep. where Pretty much everybody was going to stay at home for, what was it, 15 days and flatten the curve or something like that? Two weeks to flatten the curve. 
And then, you know, talking with Navy Wounded Warrior, which is up in D.C., going back and forth. Well, we made a delay. We made a delay. And I think I asked you last time, like, what was your thoughts as all this stuff was happening? Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, for from, from my perspective, because I know you were you had expressed some concerns because the games were supposed to be in San Antonio. You live in San Antonio. Um, you had some other things that might be impacting time wise time frame to be able to uh, to be able to support. Um, whereas I had, I was, uh, fully retired and didn't have a whole lot going on. I had started working with team Semper Fi. So I was looking at things as Semper Gumby. Um, you know, I was picking up some other training and training for the marathon and was going to be in shape for either way. Which was a good thing. I mean, I, when it's all said and done, it's definitely a good thing on that side. But I mean, what was your thoughts? Did you think it was going to happen back in March? In March, I thought it might. Um, and, and, you know, at the beginning of all this, nobody, I don't think any of us expected it. Well, some people expected, but I don't think as many of us expected it to be as drawn out as it has been. Yeah. Which it has been. And let's face it. Um, that being said, so we get the notification that, yeah, we're going to do a virtual team picking thing. However you feel about that. Um, <laughs> I don't know how you pick a team virtually when you've never seen the athletes actually yeah train but so that happened and that's when i that's when i personally called megan and was like hey cut me uh i just don't have a good vibe that this is going to happen uh put me on the list for next year she said okay i'll take you off the mailing list for all the rest of the stuff so i didn't really follow through after late march early april into what was going on on the inside but cut to you were still training were you still talking to people from the camp um yeah, well, I'm, I'm still talking to people from the camp. So there's still folks, you know, I, um, I just put together a care package for Tony and got that out in the mail this morning. So um, Tony was the officer, right? One yeah, the two, he was one the, a couple officers. One, one, of the, one of the pilot officers. Okay, yeah. Just making sure so, I'm getting the people. Um, you know, he uh, he was kind of processed out fairly quickly after MS and had had some other issues. And, um, you know, it's kind of he's, he's back up in his home state. So it's a little bit isolated and without knowing a lot of the program, we've been able to link him up into some of the, some of the other things like paralyzed veterans of America, uh, team separate five, the independence fund. What is his home state? Michigan. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he, he and I have that connection. <laughs> oh, that, that makes more sense now. Yeah. <laughs> so we've talked about this from the, the team side. Now let's talk about this from the jewel side. Obviously you're still going through some shit at this point in time, personally. <laughs> in terms of recovering from your back surgery, which you had last year, yep. uh, mobility issues, and now everyone's all all the all of your birds have come home to the nest. <laughs> yes, yeah. So over, uh, you know, in, in March, they, when they started closing down colleges, um, I had all of my birds. All three of my boys were home. Um, we brought in a we we had. I'll, I'll use the term loosely adopted a, what we anticipate might be a future daughter-in-law. Um, so she came and stayed with us. We had four mid 20 to, or, or low 20, the teenage through teenage people that we're supporting here at the house. So how, how did that affect uh, your ability to do the, the whole quarantine or were you ever really worried about that part of it? Um, so really it, it was, we got fairly fortunate. Laura was the only one that had to go to work um, because she works for an animal rescue. So, 
you know, you gotta, you gotta go take care of the animals. They still need to be fed, walked, taken care of. Um, you know, cause where she's at, they've got cows, horses, pigs. Oh, so we're talking livestock, not just pets. And then they've got, you know, hundreds of dogs and cats, Dang. some emus. Yeah. It's a uh, emus. You mean those ugly freaking bird things? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least I think we talked about this early on. Um, at yep. least for you guys there, they were still taking care of them. I know I was listening to one of the podcasts I listened to. The guy had lost his dog six months before this, 13 years. Yeah. And they happened to go by a, a rescue. And the rescue was like, yeah, we're going to be euthanizing all these because they're forcing us to shut down. And yeah. he got his new dog from there, which is... The so Laura works for Aliqua. Um, so they, they actually took in a lot of those threatened to be euthanized animals. Um, and they're still dealing with a lot of the hurricane animals that uh, you know, from mm. Louisiana, some yeah. of the horses and some of the some of the bigger livestock and things that uh, goats, things that had come across from Louisiana during the last during the big hurricane last year. So what happens with those animals? Do they eventually find their way back to the families that lost him or um so like I, I can speak best to michael because that was the one that hit us closest here um and a lot of the animals that had to be had to be surrendered were given back and returned to the families that wanted them or could they could facilitate them other people signed away and just turned in and said you know adopted out to a better home because we don't have a home anymore we don't know where we're going to be what about um, when it comes to um damn this thing's starting to piss me off what about when it comes to like the livestock? Um, I don't know about as much about that side, but I do believe there's they were they coordinate with uh, with other farmers and facilitate placing livestock so that they have those. Um, you know, it's it's a no kill kind of place, so the livestock okay. goes off to goes to greener pastures. Good, good. So, anyways, we this is getting ridiculous. <laughs> Um, so we've talked about all this stuff now. So let's go with, um, you're obviously at home. Yep, I'm at home. I, we've got all the kids here at home. Um, you know, my youngest at that time was 15. So, and the oldest was 21. Um, you know, so we had everything between the range there, between the four of them. But Keegan, Keegan and Julia pretty well stayed upstairs. We've got, we have an upstairs living room. So, you know, the kids kind of stayed up there. I stayed down here. Um, I picked up some consulting work to do some stuff online, to do instruction design stuff. Which is what I was going to bring up next, was that you then went back to work-ish. I did. I, um, I don't know why it worked out the way it did, but, uh, you know, as, as COVID hit and the world went crazy, there was a large boom need for virtual instructional designers. So I, I started doing some consulting work. So explain to everyone what a con, what an instructional designer does. Um, it is a very simple term for a very broad-based job. So there's a lot of different aspects. Um, instruction designers, in short, take a need, take a look at you know if it's for a company, a college, a corporation, a, or the government, right? Because that's kind of the the big ones that we deal with. Um, they will take a look at a, a training gap or a need, they'll assess a need and identify a training need or an educational need. And then from that needs analysis, they'll go through and do a series of other analysis that include environmental, um, you know, what kind of office space is it? What can, are they working from home? 
go into the technical aspects as far as, you know, what, what do you want this on? So 2020 is the last year of HTML. So everything HTML is, yeah. Seriously? Yeah. I thought that was like a language. I didn't think you timed out languages. It's a, it's a coding thing. Yeah. So everything's going, everything's shifting. Um, so there's, a there's some other, other programs that everything gets to shift to. So come December 31st, um, because of contracts and, and companies, things shift, things, things change. But um, so instruction designer will, will take a look and look at how you want to deliver. So if you're delivering to a classroom, they'll create curriculum. If you're delivering to, for, for a corporation or a business, they may create micro learning, which is like three to five minute lessons of, for HR, or they might do something for a sales group to kind of go over new processes or new products. Um, you know, if you've ever seen, well, like everything for A schools, like, so that's uh, from a military perspective, all the training you get from A schools, the, you know, the ever so joyful training that we had to do annually for uh, cyber awareness and for OPSEC and all those trainings, all those virtual trainings, a instruction designer designs those and creates those. So there's, oh, wow. there's a lot of different elements. We work with engineers, we work with um, artists, we work with voice actors, we write scripts, we work with subject matter experts to do interviews and kind of identify, you know, we work with the customer to identify what they want. We work with subject matter experts to ensure what the customer wants is accurate, then record scripts or write, you know, create storyboards. It's so it's a, it's a pretty in-depth process. Damn. So you're definitely, uh, you're, so you got into that and that was that, um, was that level of detail what you were expecting when you basically became part of that <laughs> consulting thing? I started consulting for a company there in Texas um, that does, that creates content for HVAC and plumbing system or HVAC technicians and plumbers. And then um, like multifamily resident maintenance personnel or management personnel. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so you, I, I started, I eased into it. So I started yeah. doing, started doing, started building three to five minute video lessons for, I spent most of my time with them working on plumbing stuff and a little bit of HVAC. So you've basically become a writer slash editor at this point in time. Yeah. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. So yeah, through, through the progression, I am now more of an, more an editor and auditor and analyst than anything else. So is this what you saw yourself doing after you got out of the military? Not at all. Not even remotely. So I had, what did uh, you think you were going to be doing? Um, you know, I wasn't, as, as we were building towards retirement, I wasn't sure. I had my bachelor's in workforce education, training development. I had started a master's of education with uh, instruction design and technology and uh, technology leadership. So I ended up doing a double master's. Um, built some HR stuff in there through human performance technologies. And then picked up a couple of certificates for like virtual instructor and some different things. At the same time, um, I did my credentialing and internships with a local high school because I had a conversation with Tony Palm, which is one of my mentors. And he asked me, uh, he asked me a, one of the hardest questions of my life. And, it, and you wouldn't think it would be this difficult or you know, a question you'd be asked to identify your, your, your job, your future preference. But he's asked, what's your legacy? That's an interesting way of looking at it. 
what what is your legacy what is it that what is it that if you could do anything for the rest of your life what would you do and since professional fishing guide isn't really a valid option for me sure it is <laughs> there's no there's no legacy there <laughs> sure there is why wouldn't there be a legacy there <laughs> um i'm good at fishing not great at catching oh okay <laughs> that makes a little bit more sense yep so after all of that so um, after all of that, I had my, my plan was to go become a teacher and I got certified for six through 12 social sciences. So I could be a history and government teacher in the state of Florida. Thanks. Yeah. So, but, so you go through all that. I know you finished your, I think we talked about it earlier, uh, your master's last year. Yes. And you did sub and you did do, um, I did sub, I, uh, coached girls soccer. I coached high school swim, um, had, Accepted and declined a couple different jobs at the high school uh, just because of timing thing, timing of things. And uh, as my spine really got bad last year, I took I took a big step away from everything. As a matter of fact, I had to be uh, the last swim meet I attended. I had to be carried out of because my disc had finally slipped and crushed and I couldn't move. Oh, man. Yeah, the back thing is always a big issue. And this is getting yeah. really annoying. Um about the video, not you. You're not annoying, you sexy beast. Yeah, you're only saying that rock camera is being recorded. <laughs> I know that's exactly why. No, but so you, um, what was your experience with the teacher side and the coaching side? Um, love, love the faculty, love the students. Um, parents are an interesting experience, but I, I really did enjoy being able to share knowledge and kind of, I love those light bulb moments when the kids are, you know, having a discussion and they're just, that they're not getting it, they're not getting it. And then all of a sudden that light bulb goes off and it's like, Oh, Hey, this makes sense. I love those moments. Those are always good moments. Yeah. And you know, that's the same thing we did as chiefs for our sailors. Yes, it is. And I think that's an important thing to remember uh, that people don't understand enough of yeah. is that we, uh, it's not that we know more or that we've done more, but that part of what we do is train and educate. It's mentorship, which I think there's a lot of that missing right now. I think there is too, especially, especially in the public school system. So do you have any desire to return to coaching? Not at this time. That's a, probably a good, well, uh, in any format though, would you coach um, at all in any format? Maybe. So I, I mentor Right now, I mentor a, a few people um, that are interested in sports that I'm interested in or have experience in. So like with, with Tony, he's just getting into hand cycling. Um, so I've been kind of mentoring and working with him. And like, you know, the packet test, the care packet descent was a, a, a new front rim and a, a power meter to go in that he can plug in when when he gets his hand cycle. So he's going to get a hand cycle then? He is. The, v, the VA, VA through the adaptive sports program or through uh, uh, the, the recreation therapy program is getting him a hand cycle. So now let's talk about what you do um, physically, because again, you've gone from a, I don't want to say fairly, but you've gone from a pretty rigorous lifestyle of constantly trying to keep up with the requirements of your job, whether it was with NSW or with the diet program and you get out and yeah. it's, we're, 
and I'm specifically talking to 2020 and yep. you're out for a year in the world is normal. You're able to go wherever you want, do whatever you want. Um, be as active or as inactive as you choose. You finally come back to a camp and you're ready to go. I remember we all left kind of amped, ready to go. Let's do this shit. Can't wait to see everyone in March. Yeah. And boom, restrictions set in and the like. And okay. so what changed for you in your training or did anything change for you in your training? A few things did change. So um, I have been very fortunate to be able to work with some amazing organizations. Um, when we did our camp up in Bethesda, Maryland, we had an opportunity uh, for the 2018 games. Um, a representative from the Independence Fund came in and he gave us their contact information and said, hey, when you're out of the military, when you're retired, contact us, we can help. And um, adaptive sports equipment is not cheap. To, to no, say not at all. Uh, you know, I'm working with the VA right now to procure a mountain uh, mountain hand cycle so that I can ride the trails out here and, continue, and kind of ex expand my training so I can pick up some extra mileage and still maintain social distance away from people. But a mountain hand cycle is about $13,000. How much? 13000 One three with three zeros. Jesus. Yeah. I didn't realize uh, they were that much. They are. So, uh, so when I, when I retired, I did reach out to the independence fund and some of our coaches like coach Kyle, uh, coach Gretchen, coach Laura, all wrote me letters of recommendation and the independence fund, uh, provided a grant to provide a uh, push rim racing wheelchair. And those run about 8,500 for a base model. Wow. Yeah. And you have so, both, you have both a hand cycle and a, I do. For sure. I, I was uh, I was very fortunate that as I was going through all this stuff and as we were going through the stuff for the games, there was a athlete who had upgraded their hand cycle and happened to have an old one. So I was gifted a path, a hand-me-down hand cycle that I had been using for two years. Um, Paralyzed Veterans of America. When all this, when when COVID hit and everybody had to kind of minimize going out. Um, Put out a call and said hey are you are you a disabled veteran do you have xyz injuries um and they were able to provide a roller trainer that for hand cyclist so i was and at no cost to us so what is a roller trainer so a, ro a roller trainer is um you know if, if you if you're into cycle training it's it's a dumb trainer it's a roller with a centrifugal force uh clutch in it so it it it, the faster you go, the more resistance there is. It's uh, it's two roller, you know, it's two rollers. The front wheel sets in it, and because the hand cycle, it's got a couple of bars that that set up at your uh, foot pegs, um, where you where you lay your feet out in front of you and your front wheels, and uh, it keeps everything stable so that you can so that you can crank away and put some miles on. Okay, that makes more sense. Yep. So. Whoa! Something so as, as COVID as, as COVID hit and the lockdown happened, um, you know, I was. It took. I started the process with the Independence Fund in the beginning of 2019. So I, I retired in February of 19, right? Yeah, February of 19. Um, so February 28th, because it was a leap year, I submitted my application with the Independence Fund. 
And a year later, um, we made it through the process and I had my, my racing chair, um, in pre pre COVID in November of 19, I signed up with team Semper Fi to do the Marine Corps marathon. They have a runner's battalion. So I was, I was training with, uh, training with them and I'm still training with them. Um, although all of our races had become virtual. Oh, okay. Thanks. And, um, the Marine, Mar Marine Corps marathon for all disabled veterans is virtual this year as well. So yeah. now back to the, uh, 2020, cause we kind of got sidetracked yeah. there. All right. Digressions. <laughs> so as you're doing this, you're also having some appointments to go to. I am. What was, I didn't, I kind of stopped everything when, uh, we did our stay at home order. So what was going to medical like during the pandemic? Um, it was different. So a lot of, a lot of my VA appointments turned virtual. It was very hard to get in person. As a matter of fact, they, I'm still having a hard time getting in-person VA calls or VA, VA appointments. Um, some of my therapies have been pushed out till post COVID. So that's, they're in a, a, a limbo of their own. Um, February, I started some, some new symptoms, <laughs> some fun new stuff so that, uh, my, uh, my legs stop working on just randomly. <laughs> Welcome to 2020. Yeah. I, I lose the ability to walk, um, or stand. Um, but on the upside, I, I can speak fluently now. So, but, you know, it's a trade-off. Yeah. One, <laughs> I gave one up my or the other. My mouth. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, do you feel like it pushing these appointments back have hurt you at all? Um, in some aspects, I, I, I think the not being able to do some of the physical therapy stuff, not being able to go through and do some of the vestibular therapies have definitely not helped. Um, you know, I've had a, my, my symptoms with my legs have definitely progressed and gotten worse. And I use a wheelchair more now than I ever have in my life. Um, although I do still have, have mobility, it's just much more limited. So I, I would like to think that... Uh, being able to do physical therapy and vestibular therapy and do some of these other things would be beneficial and, and help with some of that. But I don't know. I can't, I can't say definitively. Okay. That kind of, that makes it difficult to, to figure out how you're going to function forward from there. Um, it provides adapt, overcome and keep looking forward. True. So, um, you know, I, I currently live in a two-story house, so we are building a one story that's wheelchair accessible because if we can't get the therapies or things don't work, at least I can access the house. Which is a good thing. And yeah. of course you need to do that. I'm going to switch cameras guys. So hopefully this doesn't screw anything up. You're going to see a horrible freaking <laughs> display monitor webcam shit. Eee, that looks horrible, but Hey, it works for right now. So anyways, back to what we were talking about before yep. with all of this craziness. Um, the, whoa, that was weird. The um, lockdowns, how did they really affect you? Uh, I live in Florida. So we have a governor that um, is in very full support of the president and current administration. So our lockdowns here really haven't been very extensive, nor have they really been a lockdown. Uh, we went through about maybe a month or two months of uh, decreased tourism. But I mean, 
it really, there hasn't been a big change here. I, I couldn't, I had to run some errands this morning and would, you would never know that there's a lockdown or that there's a pandemic. Well, it's funny because uh, there's still a whole bunch of masks in public sections, but as far as uh, similar things here, um, the places where I heard the people freaking out the most about uh, this, this is going to kill us all, blah, 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 mm-hmm. um, are the fullest which is kind of hilarious. All the young people I know who were losing their mind, like we got to stay home, we got to hide. They're drinking heavily right now at the local coffee shop with no social distancing. Yeah. So go figure. Um, good on them, I guess. I so could there, care there's, less. There's a reason why Florida has maintained that in the top five of COVID numbers. Ah, um, we, 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 no, <laughs> we could talk about that. Or we could talk about how they want to talk about it. Yes, you have, you have one of the highest positive test rates. You yeah. also have out of the top four, five, four. I'm try- I didn't look to- at today's uh, death totals for the top five, but um, Florida is actually out of the top five, one of the lowest. I think they're at like 14,000, yeah. where... New York managed to kill 33,000 people in 60 days. Well, keep, keep in mind. So like, like I said, I ran some errands this morning and in my 30 minutes that I was away from the house, I think I saw five Florida plates and everybody else was um, not. <laughs> Everything. How, how many yep. of them were, were neighbor states versus multiple states away? Um, I would say 50-50. Really? Yeah. We, we still get a lot of like Tennessee, Mississippi... Um, Michigan, yeah, I, I, I would consider Mississippi, I guess, a neighbor state because you got that little piece of Alabama that blocks the two of you. Yeah, it's fair. Um, still I guess a it's modest a, amount of Texas. Really? Yeah. So, so, so we, I mean, we, we have shitty of, beaches here, so it's not much different than your shitty beaches. It, it's amazing. You know, people from Alabama, Mississippi, and Texas, where they all allow oil drilling off the, off their shores, come to our beaches because they're clean. Oh, you go far enough south, the South Padre, apparently it's clean. I just don't want to do the drive. Yeah. So, okay. Regardless of how <laughs> the lockdown is being implemented, it is still, there is still some restrictions outside of the last couple of weeks. Well, you guys, you guys went back into restrictions. It went, the governor distributed it county by county. I am in a very red county. So we really haven't, I mean, the biggest restriction we have is if you want to go to Publix, you're Publix, which is a which is a grocery store, which is a grocery store for those that aren't from the South. Um, Publix is our grocery store, unless you want to go to Walmart uh, or Piggly Wiggly, because we do have Piggly Wigglies too. They're still they still exist. They do still exist. They're, they're few and far between, but we do have some Piggly Piggly, Piggly Wigglies. I have um, heard like stories of this magical place, but I've never I didn't know that they were still around. Yeah. Next uh, next time you, you do the trip over this way or we get together, I'll uh, I'll take you to one. It's it's a little bit away. <laughs> kind of scared. I, I would be too. You you can often hear banjos. <laughs> Seriously, banjos. Have you never watched The Deliverance? No. Yes, probably. I don't know. Okay. I watched sure. too many movies. And Sorry. Boy, does this! I got to figure out what's going on with that other camera. Sorry, guys. I'm getting yeah. distracted because. I got another show after Jules to, uh, tomorrow and Saturday. So this is not going to work. 
<laughs> well, you got to fix that camera. Well, it's not even the camera. It's a stream. It's wirelessly streaming to the computer and there's something going on. I don't know. <laughs> so anyways, I digress and I apologize. So all of that, um, the civil unrest that started in May happened. Yep. Okay. I thought you froze now. Um, yep. So I'm trying, I'm trying to like phrase this the right way. So from your, from your neighborhood standpoint, did you guys experience anything? Nothing. No. We, uh, again, I, I live in a, I live in Northwest Florida in a very red part of the state in a very affluent part of the state. Um, the median home value and keep in mind this is the median. So it's not what I pay or where, you know, what I make, but the median home value down here is 1.3 million. So we don't, uh, we don't see a lot of civil unrest. You know, that's what some places up in the Pacific Northwest said too. So uh, all of that being said, so with everything that was going on, um, that was from your civilian neighborhood standpoint. Yep. What did you see from your chief slash military standpoint? In terms of, well, let, let's start with what happened in terms okay. of the, the force used in that particular case. Um, it would have never happened in the military because we have protocols, requirements, and accountability. Well, you can say that. Uh, so one of the things that came out afterwards was that was written into their acceptable use of force. Okay. So, uh, so from that perspective, yeah. um, should I, it have happened? N no, but was it allowed to happen by their use of force doctrine? Definitely. It was a, it was an allowable thing to do. Yeah. I have, I have a different, I, I might have a slightly different perspective on a lot of this is one is, you know, I gave, almost half of my life to, to date to defending the constitution, to defending democracy and to defending other people's right to be able to step up and voice what, and, and protest against what they, what they deem might be wrong or right. So I, I am actually really happy to see the peaceful protest and to see the marches and to see things, people getting organized and using their voice. And it makes me very happy to, to see people, whether they're, you know, they're, they're standing up for their convictions, which is something I don't think we've seen a lot of in, in the past. Um, as far as the, the negative side of the protest and some of the, some of the civil unrest, um, it concerns me when I see, and I hear, hear discussion or see federal forces being utilized for state issues. I think that's a state issue. And if the state's that concerned, they can, they can, they have resources available. That so they can, in, in what sense? Um, let's take Oregon, for example. Okay. Right. So the, uh, the current administration sent out federal agents and threatened to activate or threatened to send out military, which is, using military on our homeland against our own citizens. I, I have a, a lot of, I have a lot of concern about that. That's very 1984 to me. Okay. 
So, but uh, what 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 about uh, the federal things in Oregon was wrong? Um, because I, I just want to get your side of it because I I have spent way too much time watching all of this yeah. uh, as part of you the apocalypse series. You spent a lot more time watching this than I have. Yeah, but but I, what but what what did you think you saw versus what? And we'll we'll see if we're on the same page. It's it and this is purely just my own perspective, right? And right. This, this goes to, this goes back to my own value system, right? And no, no how, I get that. And and how I feel that that uh, you know I like small government. I think states I love small government. I, I think I, states are responsible for states, and I think the federal government doesn't need to be involved in state issues. I think neighborhoods should be involved with neighborhoods. No, but so I mean, but one of the things that happens when you get the the whole politics side of of the protests going. Yeah. is they say that uh, the orange man decided that uh, he's going to use federal uh, marshals. I think most of them are turned out to be federal marshals yeah. uh, against the protesters. Well, what part of the thing that people forget, I hadn't, my godfather was a judge and knows a lot of federal judges. No. It's a really tricky subject once you get into that federal courthouse, which is what they constantly attack. If right. the police are not defending it, it is the responsibility of the federal marshals to do which and that's basic and it was dhs and federal marshals there and they didn't really leave the perimeter of the courthouse True. if you look at the if you look at the actual documents yeah that being said like the threat of using military force on it i think was more of a threat than anything else yeah uh, posse comitatis overreaches that but all of that being said well i, I think if there weren't some very some reasonably intelligent individuals that act as buffers or that, that safety net that keep the Cheeto in chief from doing what he says he's going to do. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think I have a lot of concern as far as how things are going to move forward. Uh, see, I, I just don't, I, I, I the Cheeto in chief, as you put it is um, he's a blowhard. That's it. He, yeah. he likes well, to talk big, uh, no different than he has he has actually slithered and i use the word slithered because of my po beliefs on politics perfectly from the tv show reality host into the politician he knows what to say to get yep. where he needs to go that being said so he is a showman at its finest right so we'll we'll jump forward a little bit so we come yep. into now present day yeah. um I don't know if you saw what was proposed today on the on the on the television by the Speaker of the House. Uh, let me guess, something to do with uh, Article Twenty Five. Article Twenty Five. You mean the Twenty Fifth Amendment? Twenty Fifth Amendment. Sorry. Yeah, she made it very clear. Did she? I, I I haven't watched TV yet today, so. So she basically came out and said that uh, she wants to preemptively prepare to use Article Four of. Uh, the 25th Amendment, which basically states that um, if a president, if a sitting president is unfit, uh, willingly or unwillingly, that the vice president can issue in writing that the president's unfit mm -hmm. and relieve him of his duties. Yeah, but Pence, is, Pence won't ever do that. <laughs> Guess what? She also clarified very clearly. What's that? This has nothing to do with Trump. The voters will choose in 25 days. We want this in place in case of another Trump. I don't know if about you, but I can read between the lines. Yeah. So that that that's a Kamala. If if Biden and Kamala Harris win, that's a Kamala presidency. Yeah. 
because Joe could be deemed mentally unfit from a myriad of any skeptical <laughs> theories out there. Yeah. She wants to form a commission of former cabinet members, medical experts, senators, House men members to tell the vice president when they feel that. What's really, your thoughts on that? I really wish that one, I really wish our, our Congress had term limits. I would, I would think that honestly, at this point in time, if so, there's two ways to amend the constitution. Yep. And what I love about it is neither way has any judicial review or any input from the president. Yeah. Uh, people forget that <laughs> the, when we talk about term limits, the first way will never happen because if you're sitting in the seat in Congress and it comes up, we want to put term limits in any rational politician would say no. So if we ever did a convention of the governors, yeah, that would be a perfect thing. I think that would pass unanimously. I think so too. To put them in. I, I know there's a big movement for it and there's a lot of people pushing for it. So I, I'm hopeful in our lifetimes that we will see term limits there. The second, the second issue with that, all that is that a lot of our representatives fail to see the second and third order effects of things. I, I would say they fail to see the first order effects of things. <laughs> They're very short-sighted. Well, let, let's take, for example, and then I cringe at giving uh, Trump any more plus than he deserves, but he did make a very clear statement that if he got a simple bill mm-hmm. that just authorized a PPE and direct payments, he would yep. sign it tomorrow. Yep. But, but the other side wants to do this big, huge spending bill. What I don't understand is why are we not doing... He put, out, he put out three bills that he asked for. One is the $1,200 a month payment. One is the bailout of the airline industry again and then the other was the the ppe PPE. yeah but my my point is why can't we write a bill refund ppe send it to house the house writes it okay we approve it then the senate okay there's one law law two payments law three we don't like the we don't want to fund the airlines so okay but we at least got the other two that go help the people who need it and that's why I mean by they don't see their first order effects. Well, I'd rather write a 15,000 page bill. They, they, they forget who they work for often, yes. um, who, they're, and, who they're supposed to be working for, not who they're actually working for. Yeah. Um, and the other side of that is it's negotiation tactics. Why am I going to give you what you want and lose my leverage? Exactly. No, and it's a, but it's also no one wants to play, nobody anymore across the board wants to play single issue. They want to have a, a package. So they can which, look like they did something with it. Which drives me absolutely nuts because it's, I don't know, it, our, represent, our representatives fail to represent who their their constituents. Yeah. They, they're they they're representing represent. ideologies now. Yeah. And that's not, that's not how this is supposed to work. No. So let's go back to speaking of the Constitution um, and all of that. So yeah. November 3rd comes around. I got my mail-in ballot. Got did his you? name on it. Ew. Really? Yes. Really? I'm marking it. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. Shh. <laughs> Actually, th- this podcast is going to come out after, the, or this version is going to come out after the uh, election. So don't hunt me down when 
Trump wins because I voted for Kanye and didn't vote for Biden because that's what I've been told by I've been told by people on both sides like it's going to be your fault if I'm like this is like what if it comes down to one vote it's surely my fault if it I'm doesn't taking the blame a hundred percent but I I highly doubt one vote don't go wrong everybody needs to vote I would love to see record voter turnout I would love people to to do their civic duty. Because we've we fought and our brothers and sisters died to ensure that they've got the right to be able to do that civic duty. Yeah. Hundreds and thousands of people throughout history have sacrificed and gone to prison and been beaten in the streets to ensure you have the right to vote. Use it. Well, what, no, 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 no. I'm I'm 100 with you. And what bug what bugs me, I think, the most about all of this is the binary nature of the people telling you to vote. Michelle Obama released something on Twitter or something saying, this is not the time to do a protest vote. It's like, yeah. uh, if I don't believe in any of the candidates I'm voting for, yeah. I'm still voting. I'm just skipping that, that block I, or I, writing my own name in. Three, three to four times a week, I get a phone call or a text message from one of the party affiliates asking if I'm willing to support their candidate. And my response has been consistently, I will support the candidate who best represents my personal values. I have yet to find that candidate. It doesn't exist. That means... It did exist earlier in the race. Tulsi? I, I did. I like. I li- well, there's there's two candidates I really like. I like Tulsi and I like Pete. See, I like Tulsi and uh, Andrew. Yeah. I, I like Andrew, too. I, I think he... There's other positions in government he would better be suited for. I personally, you know what? Maybe instead of Kanye, I'll write in Elon. Yeah, there you go. He's a madman. I mean, honestly, I just don't. I don't feel like this election is worth much of my time at all. Like in in terms of jokes, <laughs> uh, I I do not take this, and people are going to get pissed. I personally do not take this election seriously. This is not a life and death election to me. It's a life and death because you play teams and you want your team to win so badly. We've changed definitions of fucking words. Yeah. To to well, make people. And what's what's funny is you know we are such a we're so, we're into these binary teams and we refuse to look at alternative options that are right before our eyes, um, and have been for multiple elections. Um, and, and they seem to work well. We can pick up alternate parties or no party affiliation for local government or for state government. But for whatever reason, we refuse to look at that for federal government. And I have no idea why. But people get so stuck in this binary team concept and fail to realize these teams have switched sides throughout history. Perspectives from the Democratic Party and the Republican Party, they at one time were the same party. Yeah. They were a Democratic Republican. Um, and when they divided into parties, they, you know, they, this one was for that and that one's for this. And now they've ideologically shifted and there's a, there's a, I can see a shift now, you know, looking at, when you look at the democratic party, they're becoming there, there's a division there. There are some that are much more liberal, but there's a lot of the, those that used to be moderate are much more conservative. And there's also a lot of former Republicans that have come more center and shift with the, with the current administration. See, I, I think we got to get away from that liberal conservative bullshit because it's not real. 
um, it, it's authoritarian. It's authoritarian or total freedom, or yeah. in my in my belief, total anarchy. And I believe that the Constitution set it up in a way that we should be living about one step from falling off into anarchy. Um, that's just my belief. It's it's because that's the way the Constitution set it up. And Again, that's that's you know that that's the beautiful thing about human understanding is we all have our own interpretations of how things are written. Well, and I I go to the Ninth Amendment for my reasoning behind that, which is anything that's not left that's not enumerated by the federal government for the federal government is left tripwires over to the Tenth Amendment, which is to the states. Anything that the states do not specifically enumerate trips over to the ninth, which is, it's up to me. Yeah. And I think that that's, there was an intentional reason why it was written that way. Yeah. Now, ironically, the first 10 amendments may not have ever been the first 10 amendments had they not been ratified in the right order. The, sure. I, th I think it's the 27th amendment or the 26th, which is the way Congress does raises. Yeah was supposed to be the 11th amendment, but it didn't get ratified till like 86. Yeah. It's like the longest amendment to ever be, to take to get ratified. Cause obviously we, nobody wants to. Which totally you know, baffled me because that whole equal rights amendment for the for women's equal rights. Went through within a year. The, what's that? I think, well, the, no, not the, the civil liberties or the civil rights amendment. Or, civil rights amendment was less than a year. No, the 25th amendment, sorry, was less than a year. But the like the the women's liberation right there the women's rights of equal liberation or equal rights for women um, and, and all people um, that started in the late '60s that was finally hit ratification this year timed out. Wait, which one? Take take a look at it. That was uh, they did a whole documentary on uh, uh, was it equal. I want to say it's the equal rights for all. Because uh, there's no time limit on constitutional amendments there was on that one they built it in and that's not a constitutional amendment that's probably it's the uh, supposed to be uh era there we go okay look at we're look at we're, we're being like joe rogan now we're fact checking ourselves yeah. era uh let's see we'll check that because virginia was last ratified so let's see they sat on it for almost a decade or over a decade i think i could be mistaken and i'm glad you're fact checking me it looks like it was an act, not an amendment. Was it an act? Okay. Oh wait, no, never mind. It was an amendment. Uh, so that's it's in the court. It's in the course now because they're, they're so fighting. South Dakota had a sunset provision on it for its own state, which meant yeah. that it it just didn't. Um, so it still needs to be, it's a, it hit 38. Yep. Wait, it hit 38 with Virginia this year, but if South Dakota's had the sunset, then South Dakota drops off and they'll need another one. Was South Dakota in the, oh, they were. Oh, okay. Well, Nebraska, Tennessee, Idaho, Kentucky, and South Dakota, get off your asses. Yeah. Uh, so, but anyways, we're, we totally digress. So, all right. <laughs> I've been asking people this and it's going to be interesting when you're, when this comes out, it'll be after the election. Uh, yep. Let me look and see. Cause you are next week. So it'll, Ooh, actually, you know what? It may come out on the evening before the election. Oh, nice. In which case, um, 
Let me double check. Hold on. Okay, so I you still can't pick who I'm going to vote for. <laughs> you come out on Monday. And elections on Tuesday. No, no. I mean, you come out on Monday this week. Oh, okay. Or what's today's date? The ninth. So you come out on. Oops, wrong month. You come out on the twelfth. Tony's going to come out. Oh wait. Uh, then Joe. <laughs> then Dana. Then Tony. Then you, yeah, you'll come out on the second. Nice. So, um, yeah. which kind of degrades what I was going to ask you because I was going to say, what's your predictions for uh, major civil unrest after the election? I don't see it. See, okay, this is hilarious. So, uh, I don't know if you watched uh, the one with Joey, the first episode that came out. I've, I've watched. I'm not all the way through it yet. Or, or the takeaways where we actually talk about the takeaway. Yep. So we, we talked about it. My buddy Joe, who I just had on earlier in the week. Now you were all kind of saying the same thing. I do see one side that is far more prone to breaking shit because they're breaking shit right now. Um, or they're trying to kidnap governors. Well, did you see who, who it was? Yeah. That it, it, it wasn't Trump guys. No. I, which surprised the hell out of me. Because in Michigan, I would say that that would have been appropriate, that it would have been, you know, Trump supporters. Yeah. Which makes me wonder why, unless they were trying to, like, make it look like they were Trump supporters. I don't think so. It's uh, you get you got to remember, Michigan has a very long standing history of militias. Um, and well, I, think, of, I think more states than you realize do. Well, there, there's a lot of states that do. But let me for you remember Oklahoma City? Yeah. Was Tim McVeigh from there? Yeah, he was. He was. Part, that was part of the Michigan militia. Why did I think he was from Texas? Uh, he may have been from Texas, but there was a hand in in Mich the Michigan militia was involved in that. Oh shit! Yeah, I had no idea. That's crazy. Um, so, but what is it about Michigan that makes them so militia friendly? Um, because once you get outside of Ann Arbor, and Lansing's kind of a pocket. There's a lot of very rural space, a lot of mm. a lot of very rural space. There's the a big... lot of guns, and there's a lot of people who I thought about joining the military and joined a militia instead. That probably makes more sense because I was gonna say I know Idaho is famous for its yeah white nationalist communities and and pseudo militia. I'll call them pseudo militias because they're not they're not like the the traditional militias that you see with everyone but they're kind of that white nationalist we're gonna build our own compound more like the uh the waco guys yeah um, where well, they're they'll even fight i have friends that are from that area and they say that they'll even fight each other because it's like i'm more white than you but that being said that's where i would have figured you would have had the issue not not so farm like, country i i grew i grew up in southwestern michigan a little town called delton we had a population of about three thousand. And I can tell you from the time I started, I went through all 12 grades there. And I can tell you we had three black students in 12 years. What, what about your kindergarten years? No. Okay. So 13. Do your math right, teacher. Whatever. No. But, I, you know, so the, the diversity thing. Let's yeah. be serious about that. Like, that, what does that really mean that you just didn't have a community that had a lot of black people in it? We had a community that still wore hoods. 
I understand that. But what I'm saying on a bigger scale, sometimes there's just not black people who live in your community for whatever that, historical reason. That's absolutely true. I mean, we have a very limited number of black people that are in the community I live in now. Yeah. I mean, like, let's look at it like this. And this is going to sound like a total stereotypical thing, which it's not. I'm just using raw statistics. Yes. You look at something like the NBA, predominantly black. Uh, track and field teams, predominantly black. So we know that there is a lot of athletic, very, very high level athletic people who are black. Mm-hmm. But you look at our, our special warfare community, I don't know about anyone else's. I think it's like 1% of Frogmen and 1% of SWIC is black. And it's like, yeah. why? Does it have to do, what is the the cause and effect behind why we have I don't know how, how many divers you had that were. Mariano was black. Um, I think I've had, I've had experience with three black divers, two female divers, and maybe half a dozen Hispanic divers. I would say though that the female thing would be more of that was just recently opened up. No, we've been open. Uh, Mary Bonham was our first female master diver in the 1980s. Oh, wow. See, I always thought that dive school, that dive was pretty sure she's our only female master diver too, but that's a whole nother story. Wow. I really thought the diver fell into that. Like you were saying last time that it it falls into the special warfare community, but I really thought it had a uh, restriction on female candidates for the longest time. We're non-combat. We are theoretically a non-combatant rate. I don't even understand how that could be. (laughs) I mean, it, it, what do you do? Underwater knife fights? Come on. Limpet mines. Uh, there's a lot of damage you can do underwater, especially to a ship. I'm well aware. But um, <laughs> and there's a lot of damage that you can do underwater to a ship without intending to do it to the ship, too. So so there we were. <laughs> Brian, See story time. I, I love Brian. OD was I love him. He's awesome people. Um we, there's formulas for using demolitions. We use, we'll use explosive to blow a propeller off a ship. He went with the P formula as in P for plenty and lifted the ass end of the ship up almost out of the water. Was this, uh, like, no, uh, was it a training thing or was it a no shit? Like, no, he was, uh, uh, this was, this was actually doing a, a propeller change. Like you literally blow the propeller off the shaft? Yeah. Okay. okay. You can use explosives to, be, you can use shape charges to blow things even in the water. <laughs> no, I, I understand that. It's like, um, isn't there like a screw somewhere that you can loosen and pull the damn thing off? Um, more like a nut, but then there's, there's still a compression fit onto the shaft. Wow. Okay. I'm learning things here, gotta, folks. Sometimes you gotta be able to, uh, you know, utilize a extra force because you know sheer mechanical force doesn't always work. Okay, on that happy note, let's get back to the the impending Sorry. non-civil civil war. <laughs> <laughs> so, where do you think the uh, first battle of the twenty twenty post-election civil war is going to happen in meme land? On the internet. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I mean. I, I have, I think I've said this to you before. I have my personal beliefs and I keep saying it and I'm just going to keep repeating it until it comes true. I just feel like the right is too lazy to actually go out and do something. Yeah. Um, 
they'll sit there and bitch about. I think both sides are too lazy to actually go out and do anything. Well, we, I, think, I, I, I see. I disagree with you on that because a hundred plus days of rioting in Portland says at least, at least they're dedicated to their riots. Well, keep, keep in mind, you know, and this is, again, I don't have anything to back me up. This is just my opinion. I would suspect that that when you get into the damage side, the rioting side of things, both sides have a play in that. Actually, the the no shit arrest records show it is mainly Antifa. Yeah, uh, like almost no no one from the other side. I'm just it again. It's my own perspective. I don't have anything to back me up. I know, but I'm I'm just telling you what what's coming out, and that's yeah. like from the databases. So, yeah. that being said, I I just feel like there'll probably be one or two dumbasses that do go out and try something stupid. Um, 17 year olds with an automatic rifle across state lines. Uh, actually he didn't take the rifle across state lines. It was given to him. No, okay. a friend loaned it to him and it wasn't an automatic. Come on. You know, better chief. <laughs> <laughs> it was a semi-automatic. Semi-automatic. Right. <laughs> but, um, so do you think we're going to, do you think we're going to be okay when it's all said and done? That's a, that's a scary statement to make. Um, there's, there's a lot of variables to that. I think there's some key players in the house that need to go home and be retired and go away. I think there's some key players in the Senate that need to go home, go away. I think there's some key players in the administration that need to go home and go away. Um, Given our choices, I don't know that we're going to be okay anytime soon. Well, let me let me redefine what okay is. I was referring to as a nation. Do you think we're going to stay together, or do you think some crazy shit's going to come out of this in the next couple of years? The the I think one of the redeeming qualities of the United States of America as a nation is regardless how divided we are, when something goes off, when something happens, we unify. I hope that nothing happens. I hope and trust that those that we have trained and left behind and our, our legacy, the, the, the sailors and, and Marines and you know, our brothers and sisters in arms and those that work for federal agencies or have transitioned to federal agencies, are observant enough to prevent another catastrophic incident. Um, but I still have a lot of concern. See, I I want to say, yes, we're going to be fine. But I also saw that I saw I, on my Twitter feed more, I hope he dies tweets <laughs> than tweets of support when it came out that the... Uh, that he had COVID. So it's, it's one of those things where it's like, even that base level of humanity, when you have, you know, the Obamas and the Bushes and even Biden saying, I hope you get well, yeah. but their followers are spitting hate. I, I do feel like that's kind of also in a weird way, a part of this whole lockdown, this whole people have had nothing but time to sit behind the keyboard. There, there's a lot more keyboard warriors and don't get me wrong. I love the memes. There's some funny shit coming out. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and there, there's some dark and twisted shit, which is, makes me so happy. <laughs> of course. That's the way that we do it. I mean, I wish I would see more people getting shot in the face in the memes, but. 
Yeah. Um, but to, you know, I, I agree with you. I, you know, there, there's a, there's a base humanity level there that, um, and let's face it, the news, social media, pick, pick your poison. You're always going to report on the most extreme cases, right? You're always going to see, and you're going to get, you know, by, by just, just how the algorithm's written, we're going to see more of the negative shit than we are the positive stuff. Yeah. And I think that's part of what's been going on with COVID is we look at what's been, what's been done by the administration is irresponsible. But again, as someone who did 170 some odd every day, looking at studies and everything, I hate to say it. The data is more with Trump on this one about this isn't that bad than what they choose to report. My only, my, my big issue with the current administration with the handling of this is the lack of personal accountability from the person in charge. In what sense? And, that, and, that, and that's, a char- that's a character trait. But I mean, and and what do you mean by is, the lack of personal responsibility? Um, it's not my fault. Theoretically, I'll give him that one, but not my fault. Now, it is his now, fault minute, for, minute, for not being a good leader. Wait a minute, Chief. If you're in charge of something, whether you're responsible or whether you're, you know, whether, whether you're directly responsible or not, whose fault is it? That would be a different way of looking at it from the, this is a virus that doesn't give a fuck about you or I. And honestly, yeah. the, the virus doesn't want to kill you because when it kills you, it, it can't reproduce. Right. <laughs> so that little piece of RNA knows no borders and knows no boundaries. So I'm going to blame it on the virus. And then I'm going to say the action, the the lack of leadership is a whole different thing. Yeah. But as I'm, far as like, is he personally I'm gonna, responsible? I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say he's personally. I'm going to say he's personal, personally accountable. Okay, that's a different thing. You said responsible. That's why I had fair held you to it. But I, th- I think he has a responsibility to the American public, whether he failed to produce information because he was concerned and didn't want to create a panic. I think he has a responsibility to the American public for a level of transparency. I think he has a responsibility to the American public for a level of accountability. I think he has a responsibility to the American public to be the face of the nation and be able to speak coherently and diplomatically and not alienate adversaries or um, alliances. That would be his biggest flaw, is his non-diplomatic way of communicating as a human being. Absolutely. And that's why I was really hoping to see Shit Show Part 2 next (laughs) week. But they changed it to a virtual debate, and he said no, which, honestly, I don't blame him. I wouldn't want to. You know, I have mixed emotions about that. I would love to see him do a virtual debate. Because I would, I would actually like to see the two of them have a have a actual debate and not just a shit show where they're talking over each no, other. No, it's 2020. Everything has to be a shit show when it comes to this. I see. I it's written into the 2020 bylaws. In case you uh, haven't noticed, you know, nobody ever sent me a damn copy of the bylaws. Damn it! God damn it! We got to get you one. So, <laughs> all of that being said and done, so you have hope for the end of the year. Do you think 2021 is going to get better in terms of? what you're doing on your own uh work slash yeah um 
Do you see a Warrior Games 2021? For, for, for me personally, 2020 has been a bad year, man. Yeah, I, I have no issue with it. I have, you know, I went from, I, I've had three different jobs this year, each one making more than the previous one. Yeah, no, most sitting, people would say that's a bad year. Three different jobs. But, each, but well, three different jobs. I'm kidding. I'm joking. But, but each yeah. one was building on. So they're all in the same industry. They're all doing the same kind of stuff. I've just moved up on the progressive ladder in a, in a short period of time. Um, you know, families, my family's healthy. I've been very blessed in that respect where we were able to, during the quarantine, we quarantined here. Laura was the only person she didn't, she was able to mitigate or minimize interactions with people. Um, as things have opened up in the state of Florida, my family has taken precautions to ensure everybody's safety socially. And then, um, you know, my youngest has started surfing. Both my boys are in college. Uh, both my older boys are in college. One of them got picked up for a scholarship. The other one's wrapping up his last year of things. He finally moved out of the house and he's out on his own in his own apartment with his girlfriend. Um, you know, Laura's doing well at work. Everybody's healthy here. My mom's doing good. My brother's doing well. And, econ you know, economically, we've never done as well as we're doing right now. So what do you think for uh, getting back to the adaptive sports side of it? For the adaptive sports side, um, I'm not where I want to be. Oh, no, I mean, in terms of, do you think we're going to see stuff happen next year? I don't know. Um, I think I think it may be two years. I, I think it'll be 2022 or 20, yeah, 2022 before we see a return of... Um, and a lot of that is it's better to err on the side of caution. When you look at what, when you look at how the military is handling this now, I don't see that we're going to see a return to camps in the fall. Yeah. I just don't, I don't see it. So we're not going to have those opportunities for coaches to see people. We're not going to have those introductory camps to introduce new people who need these things, need these resources. Um, there's been a lot of discussion inside our, our groups as far as the, the Wounded Warrior side and a lot of, on our forums. Um, there's been a lot of virtual mentoring and welcoming and exchanging of resources for newer people inside of the community as well as people who, uh, you know, that we had met last year versus, as well as people that are just coming in now. Um, I, don't, I don't know that we'll see a return next year just because of the abundance of caution the military is using. And then when you look at the military wounded warrior community, there needs to be, there, 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 that requires an additional abundance of caution because now we're talking with people that are immunodeficient. We are talking about people who are recovering with injuries. We're talking people that are, that are more likely potentially statistically to be susceptible to something. So now, uh, what about locally? Do you think you'll be doing any local races within the next six months? Yes. With, pe with people, not not just the virtual stuff. Yeah. Well, uh, again, I live in Florida, so we are we are fully open. We have no restrictions. Well, that's, that's not what I, I said. Do you think you will be doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I will. Okay. I, I think in the next six months, in the spring, I'll I'll do some legitimate races, um, and part of that is because. I am at the moment for my area. I am the only wheelchair racer. Are you really? I am. 
So I did uh, this, this spring when before COVID hit or as COVID was hitting, I did the seaside half, um, half marathon and 5k. So I did the 5k portion because I had literally had my, my pusher and wheelchair for two weeks before the race. Damn. And, and the races here will not allow you to use a hand cycle because they don't see that as that that's a bicycle. It's not a, a racing a way to run, which makes sense. Except when you look at, you know, actual sanctioned marathons allow the hand cycle. <laughs> oh, do they really? Yeah. So are you going to do the Marine Corps marathon then on the hand cycle or the, uh, in the wheelchair. Okay. In the push. I did, I did 25 miles last week in three hours and five minutes. And that was using a, a fartlek type. So heart rate monitoring, um, training protocol. I'm confident I can do the marathon in two hours and 45 minutes right now. Nice. Nice. So, um, my goal because of my age group and time frame, and to qualify for other things, I need to get down closer to two hours. Oh, wow. Yeah. With the hand, uh, with the push chair. Yep. One, 130 is 135 is the qualifying time for Paralympics. 130. Wow. Hour 35. So you're doing 18, 17 miles an hour. Uh, Daniel is the fastest person in the world right now. And he's, he's been running, he's, he's topping out in the thirties and averaging about 24 miles an hour. So you got a lot of work to do there, buddy. You know, given that I've only had my chair since February and I'm, I'm sub three hour, I'm, I'm happy with my progress and I'm so, grateful for, to, for team separate and for independence fund and university of Illinois for all the support and assistance that they provided. So is that something that you're looking at um, trying to do a Paralympic try? Nope. I want to go to Invictus and I want to, I want a medal for the United States at Invictus. I want to represent our, our brothers and sisters as a nation, as part of a multi-service team. So do you have, so assuming Next year we have Warrior Games, or 2022 we have Warrior Games, and um, you do get picked up for Invictus, and you complete this. Yeah. Um, are you going to hang it up after that, or do you see yourself maybe trying to get into something bigger than the Marine Corps Marathon, the Boston, or one of the other big ones? Let's. So I would actually like to be at the Marine Corps Marathon. I want to do the course. There's a lot of history. There's a lot. There's a lot that I owe Marines. I personally owe Marines for, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be sitting here if it weren't for some very damn good Marines. <laughs> so um, I, I, I want to be able to give back to that. Um, I want to qualify Boston just as a bucket list item. Um, I'd like to be able to qualify for the Chicago elite. What which is it? Chicago elite would have been, would have been today. Um, or yesterday. Yes, what is it? Is it a marathon or is it something it, it, more? It's a marathon. Do you have any interest in doing ultras on the push cart? Um, I have an interest in doing the intercontinental trail on a mountain hand cycle. So, which one of the intercontinental? Wait, that's the uh, that's Weird. the one that goes from east coast to west coast, right? No. So the, there's there's one that that starts in Canada and goes to Mexico. I guess it's the continental divide, not intercontinental. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah, right. That one, 
I don't know if that one's set up for it because I was remember right. we were we were talking about the different trails and the Appalachian Trail you could probably easily do with no problem. No, there, there's sections of the there's sections of the of the AT that would not be conducive. It's when you it's when you get up in there up in New Hampshire up in the the northeast. There's some areas up in there that would not be conducive for um, the mountain hand cycle. Because there's uh, areas on the CTD, uh, the Continental Divide Trail, that I've looked at and watched quite a few videos on, where you're on 16 inch wide uh, ledges. Yeah. So there, there's there's a mountain bike race that that runs. Um, so it it's it could be done because there's alternates to those that they have alternate routes based. Oh, on okay, okay. So you're so the, not the actual trail there, all the way. There, there are some sanctioned alternates for those situations. Oh, okay. Um, but nobody's ever done it on a hand cycle. Well, 2026. I don't know why I said 2026. I just pulled it out of my ass. But so once you're done with, um, so is that your ultimate goal then is the CDT or is there more to it than just? Um, I'm 45, man. I'm not dead. There's, there's more adventures to be had. So what about, okay, so we've talked about your hand cycle. We've talked about your push cart or push chair. Yep. Um, we're missing one thing to make a trifecta. <laughs> what's your thoughts? <laughs> what? what What's your thoughts on maybe trying to do an adaptive try? Or is uh, there an adaptive try? There is. So another one of the great things about living in Northwest Florida is Ironman has an adaptive try 75 and full um so you know there's two different ironman size distances there's a 75 mile ironman and 140 is that the bike portion or is that the total best total so yeah I, I, ironman is in my future okay so wait what's 140 so it's a it's a marathon plus a 100 mile bike ride plus a swim a 12 mile swim i don't think it's a 12 miles what is it it's gotta be maybe it's 120 no, that wouldn't be enough for the. It wouldn't be. Well, maybe one thirty. Twenty six point twenty six point two is the marathon. Yeah. Hundred mile bike ride. So that's one twenty six. Is it? No, I don't. You I don't can't know. do a twelve mile swim on a. Why not? Because I think we would have heard about that for in in the time that you do a try. Yeah. But um, so. <laughs> One of my fastest miles was what, 18 minutes? On the bike or on the no. hand cycle? No, a swim. Oh, a swim, swim. Okay. So 12 of those. Yeah. So 10 of those would be 180 minutes. That'd be three hours of continuous swimming. Yeah. No, it's got to be less than that. Yeah, I, to point, I thought like it was a, only like two miles at the most. It's like a two or three mile swim. Yeah. So maybe it's like a 130. That would be closer maybe. to, yeah. If you do them, if you scale up the math. Yeah. But so you do see a future, which is a good thing, because I know a lot of people who get out uh, either before or on time go into this thing where they, I don't want to say regret getting out, but they feel like they're not, well, it's, they look back. It's different, you know, it's, uh, it, and we've, we've, we've talked about this offline, and that is that when, when we leave the service, it's, there is a huge difference. You know that that brotherhood, that fraternity that we had with our with our brothers and sisters on the on the ship, on the sub, even just in the chief's mess, or or you know just 
even my, you know, my, my brother noticed it and he only did four and a half years or four years. Um, there, there's a fraternity. There's, we, we are regmented there. We speak a different language than most people. Um, you know, it's, you, you miss that. You miss, you miss the schedule. You miss the regiment. You miss the fraternity. You miss the deployments. It sounds silly, but you, you know, shit, man, I haven't left the house. I mean, beyond like my little, I haven't left my little part of Florida since we went to California. Yeah. I, no, I haven't gone anywhere a significant distance since California either. And I had a couple trips planned, but yeah. fires. Yeah. So I'm, I'm grateful to have some trips coming up so I can go deer hunting and go fishing and yeah. <laughs> so where I was going with that, with this, with the getting out before your time is, yeah. um, one of the questions I'm trying to figure out the right way to ask everyone, obviously the show is called after the battle campfire, which was molded after the idea that long before you could go hit a target. And then the next day you're on a plane back home, <laughs> you would tap the camp and bullshit yep. around the fire that night after you slayed, you know, still probably got brain matter on your face. <laughs> and, uh, the days uh, when you drink from the skulls of your enemies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but so, you know, the, the channel is called the modern Ronin, which I really did want to build out to, you know, everyone thinks of Ronin's like some mercenary, but really it was just a samurai that lost its master and went on trying to do something. I think a lot of what the ones that you didn't hear about that went back to be mercenaries did try to live a life of service because that's what they knew. Yep. So to you, what does it mean to be a modern Ronin? Um, it took me a while to find, and, and, and again, I took your advice. I took a year off to, to try to figure out who I was, who I needed to be. And if I could give anybody that any, any advice, it'd be that same, same advice. Take a year, figure out, decompress, get out of the schedule, get out of the routine. If you can, not all of us can, I'm still up ridiculously early. Um, but I found ways to get back. You know, I started out with coaching. I'm now giving back to communities through my vocation. I have found ways to give back to the disabled community through example, through sharing resources and through awareness campaigns. Um, I volunteer with a nonprofit that provides service dogs because that, that's something that I, I believe in, I, that they help. You know, I know you're a cat person, but, uh, you know, I like Cats that. Cats are far better than dogs. Yeah, that's, uh, that's an argument that we'll have until whenever. <laughs> I still want a service monkey. Uh, as long as it performs a task. <laughs> and doesn't rip your face off but no i mean so what does it mean to you though to give back in all of and it's it it i i know i'm sad i'm stammering a little bit there but um it's something that becomes ingrained throughout our career you know when i was a young mm nothing on a submarine when we were in the off crew periods we'd go build houses for half death for humanity right um, I've been active with the Marine Corps uh, youth present program for decades, right? Toys for Tots. Um, it's, it's something that, 
you know, whether you're on a ship, sub, or a diver, or special operations, when you go somewhere, you always leave it better than you found it. Well, now we're in a situation where we're not going somewhere, and it's our time to make home better than we found than we found it. So when the next generation retires, they have the resources they need. They have the awareness of programs so that they don't find themselves in a position where they don't see a way forward. They don't see, you know, it's, it's challenging to lose mobility. It's challenging to lose your sense of self. It's challenging when your name changes from chief to Mr. Right. Um, so to me, the modern Ronin is, I may not have a master, a singular master, you know, I, I no longer work for our uncle, but, uh, I have a sense of responsibility to make things better so that when those that we trained join us on that blue card side or on the flip side, they're coming to a better place with nice. better resources and availability. Nice. I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> so any final thoughts? Um, what is that dye that they make for beards and mustaches? Um, <laughs> Touch of gray. What? <laughs> Beats the hell out of me. Boy, I hate this camera view. You can see my refrigerator back there. Right there. <laughs> no, um, you guys, thanks so much for listening. We are right at the verge of the five hour total mark. An hour and a half right now. <laughs> And two and a half hours. Nope. Or is it four? Uh, four hour mark. Sorry, four hour mark. Still, so this is going to be the longest set that we've done in a long time. Yeah. And I appreciate you coming on. You'll be back on. I'm pretty sure. Um. You know, I. Where am I going to go? It's COVID. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, COVID's not going to be around forever. Or, well, sure. the theoretically, it will be around forever. We'll just have to figure out what to do with it. Maybe one of these times we can actually like get together in person instead of being about 12 hours apart. And we can, you know, maybe have some guns in the background, have an actual campfire and it won't be sober October. So we can both partake in some adult beverages and yeah, see where as, this conversation goes. <laughs> as long as we're not in California, we can have the campfire. Yeah. I was, I, you know, I was thinking Texas, Florida, Georgia, somewhere in there. It sounds like a song. Texas, Florida, Georgia line. I think that's a band, not a song, but yeah. Yeah, whatever. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> But until the next time, my friend, I will talk to you soon. I'm going to stop the recording. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you can follow us on social. Check us out at our website, modernronin.com. On Instagram, The Modern Ronin. On Twitter, at TommyChase01. And you can always support us at modernronin.locals.com. This is our locals group, and it would be great if you guys joined and subscribed. Some great benefits. Talk to you guys soon.